Need help sharing your faith with a Latter-day Saint friend? Introducing Christianity to Mormons by Eric Johnson may help. Available at the Utah Christian Research Center, 579 West Galena Park Place in Draper, Utah. Open Wednesday through Saturday at 10 a.m. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Well, for the past couple of weeks, we have been looking at a conference message that was given by Dallin H. Oaks. At the time he gave this message, he was first counselor in the first presidency. And it had to do with the three degrees of glory. The title of his message was called Kingdoms of Glory. The subtitle, as it was printed in the Liahona magazine for November 2023, beginning on page 26, read this way. We have a loving Heavenly Father who will see that we receive every blessing and every advantage that our own desires and choices allow. And in this conference message, he is elaborating on the three degrees of glory, what they entail, what they are pretty much like, and what are the requirements to hopefully end up in the top level of the celestial kingdom, which of course is known as the Church of the Firstborn. He says in his talk, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints focuses on these because the purpose of this restored church is to prepare God's children for salvation in the celestial glory, and more particularly, for exaltation in its highest degree. Pointing back, of course, that in the celestial kingdom, there are three levels— The top, as I just mentioned, is the Church of the Firstborn, although the Church really doesn't talk about the second and third level. They're there, but Eric, do you recall any conference message where a leader got up and really elaborated on what goes on in the second and third level, other than we are to assume that there are going to be angelic beings in the celestial kingdom that are going to wait upon those who became gods more as servants? Well, I think it's one of those unspoken truths that we hear about. Kind of like Heavenly Mother, and that was the exact same phrase that Bruce McConkie, a Mormon apostle, used to describe Heavenly Mother. She's an unspoken truth. They have no scripture to support that she exists. It's just mere modern revelation. And of course, that phrase, modern revelation, we should mention, is used a lot by Dallin Oaks in this conference message. Now, Let's move on because we finished up where Dallin Oaks says that God's plan founded on eternal truth requires that exaltation can be obtained only through faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman in the holy temple, which marriage will ultimately be available to all the faithful. That is why we teach that gender is an essential characteristic of individual, premortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. Now, after Dallin Oaks gave this talk, he, he ruffled some feathers in the homosexual community. 
because they took that as a direct shot because they don't qualify under what Dallin Oaks said here. And I can understand why they might be upset about that. And they also made it sound like it was the church and people like Dallin Oaks that are causing all the tension. Well, to be honest, I think we need to side with the church on this one because it's their behavior that's causing the tension. They're the newcomers on the block trying to make the church cater to their behavior. And because that kind of behavior has historically been looked upon as sinful behavior, that's why they're not allowed those same privileges. But they want to play the victim and make it sound like it's the church that's at fault. I'm going to have to side with the church on this one. They're doing something that's been traditional for thousands of years. This was normal between a man and a woman. But here's where the problem lies. Oaks goes on to say, a uniquely valuable teaching to help us prepare for exaltation is the 1995 proclamation on the family. Now, I have a copy in my hand of this proclamation. It's called The Family, A Proclamation to the World. It's a statement from the First Presidency and the Council of the Twelve to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And what it says in the opening lines, I think, is something we should take into account. It says, We, the First Presidency and the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, solemnly proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God, and that the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. Now, notice the language here. It says that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that this arrangement is ordained of God. Now, let me ask you, Eric, do you think it would read the same during the time when Brigham Young was president of the church? Well, not at all. No, not at all, because it's making it a very clear point here that marriage is between one man and one woman. Well, why wouldn't Brigham Young like it worded that way? Because he was the one who said that the only men who become gods or even the sons of God are those who enter into polygamy. So therefore, the wording would have to be between a man and women, at least more than one, according to what Brigham Young was saying in the statement that I just cited. So we're finding that the church has had to certainly make a course correction because in 1890, with the manifesto and the pressure from the federal government to get the church to change its ways regarding what it felt was an aberrant behavior, the church had to acquiesce in order to become a state in the Union. Now, it didn't happen overnight, and eventually, though, 1904, they come out with a second manifesto. Now they're really going to put the hammer down. If you're practicing polygamy, you're going to be excommunicated from the church. But notice what Oakes says in this very same paragraph. Now, if you want to follow along with me, I'm on page 27, and I'm in the middle of that page where he starts with those who do not. Those who do not fully understand the Father's loving plan for his children may consider this family proclamation no more than a changeable statement of policy. In contrast, we affirm that the family proclamation— founded on irrevocable doctrine, defines the mortal family relationship where the most important part of our eternal development can occur. Notice that phrase, folks. Founded on irrevocable doctrine. Irrevocable doctrine. Now, the question that I think needs to be asked right now is 
Dallin Oaks implying that the concept of a family and marriage within that family, it's irrevocable as far as it's always going to be a man and a woman. Because it wasn't always that way in the LDS church. Remember, prior to the manifesto where the church promised that they were going to to revise their behavior on this topic, it was perfectly okay, according to LDS doctrine, that you have a polygamous relationship. If you did not do that, you were basically defying what Brigham Young and other leaders had laid down as being, well, should we say, an irrevocable doctrine. But you see, after 1890, after 1904, the church had to make a course correction. They acquiesced, as I mentioned, to the government. Now, I guess the way the church can kind of wiggle out of this is by saying, well, we still have polygamy in our doctrine. And I would agree, they really do. And it's understood in Mormon circles as being celestial polygamy. They don't believe that they can have more than one living wife at a time here in mortality. But a man can certainly be sealed to more than one wife and hope to be married to those women in the next life. How do we know that? How do I know Dallin Oaks knows that? Because he's sealed to two women right now. He expects to have both wives in the next life. The one he's with right now, that's not his only wife, according to Mormonism. He was married before, and that wife passed away. And then he got sealed to the current wife, Kristen Maines. So when he talks about this irrevocable doctrine, what is he actually saying here? It's almost like it's a kind of gaslighting, because if, in fact, the church is going to try and say, well— yeah, but we still believe in polygamy. It's just more in the next life. Why aren't they telling new converts this? And I mean that. Why aren't they telling new converts that polygamy is still a part of our theology? Because remember, it was Gordon B. Hinckley, when he was pressed on this issue, he tried to distance himself from what they call the fundamentalist Mormons, those who believe very much like a lot of Latter-day Saints, but they also believe in polygamy. And of course, Hinckley wanted to separate himself from them. It's interesting that he's separating a changeable statement of policy with irrevocable doctrine. And we're referring to polygamy, and certainly there is eternal polygamy when somebody like Oaks or Nelson gets married to a second wife after their first wife dies, they can be sealed to both. But what about in this life? Marriage is supposed to be for this life and eternity. That's how it was understood back in the 19th century, before polygamy was taken away. Let me give you a quote from Brigham Young, second president of the church, to show that he believed it would be, maybe he didn't say irrevocable, but he certainly felt it was a doctrine. He said, it is all connected with the exaltation of man showing how he becomes exalted to be a king and a priest, yea, even a God like his Father in heaven. Without the doctrine that this revelation reveals, no man on earth could ever be exalted to be a God. But did you notice what Oaks had said in the earlier part of the show where you cited that it's the church's purpose to prepare God's children for salvation in the celestial glory 
and more particularly for exaltation in its highest degree. Well, Brigham Young was saying in that time it was meant for this life and eternity. That was how you got to be a god. Now we have this man saying it's an irrevocable doctrine that one man would be with one woman. I'm just going to ask this question. What happens if the church decides 20 years from now, 30 years from now, it's a very likely possibility that the homosexual movement has moved to such a a strength in the church that there might be an allowance of this kind of a thing. Are we going to come back to this and say, I thought that was supposed to be irrevocable doctrine? Well, I think you raise a good point because on January 19th in 2024, Axios Salt Lake City, this is a website, had an article titled, Mormon Church Hired Triggers Conservative Backlash. And basically what they did is they hired somebody to be a communications director who is very sympathetic to the homosexual community's desires. It sounds like they're going to have to deal with this, and they're basically shooting themselves in the foot by hiring people like this that are sympathetic to views that contradict the proclamation of the family. And what's interesting about this is very clear this man was hired through the first presidency. Dallin H. Oaks is the first counselor in the first presidency. He knew who this person was. He knew that that would be the person they would hire for communications. And yet he's saying here in this conference talk that the family proclamation is founded on irrevocable doctrine. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.